to Eye on Horror, the official podcast of iHorror.com. This is episode 83, otherwise known as season five, episode five. I am your host, James J. Edwards. And with me, as always, is your other host, Jacob Davison. How are you doing, Jacob? Uh, doing good. Just kind of recovering from a midnight show. We're, we're recording this on a Sunday morning and Jacob was out late last night. So he's uh, <laughs> I think we're all a little rough, though. Uh, also with us yet again is your other other host, John Korea. How are you doing, Korea? Oh, to be young and going out to midnight showings. I got sleepies after my like 5.30 screening last night. <laughs> I got sleepies after binging a Netflix series while putting together a puzzle and eating Domino's pizza last night. So, Ooh, that sounds like the dream. That sounds like <laughs> it kind of was. <laughs> That that sounds like that sounds like the the comfortable Saturday night. It was pretty sweet. I'm not gonna lie. It was it, it, I I enjoyed it. Um, we we took a little bit of a of an unplanned hiatus. That's why you haven't seen us in a while, and we haven't seen each other in a while. Um, but we are back. Um, what's been going on, you guys? Uh, day jobs. Uh, yeah, tell me about yep. it. Yeah. <laughs> Work, uh, work, 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 work. Well, um, one of the things that I've been working on for a, almost a year now, um, but really ramped up these last couple of months is my company, Sorcery Cinema uh, Productions. Uh, it's a production company. We, we make stuff. Uh, we got our first few projects off the ground, including a pilot for a video game competition show called Even the Odds. Um, we filmed it at the beginning of March and have been in post ever since. And now... It's getting ready to premiere, so uh, keep your eyes out. Uh, it premieres uh, or earlier this week when this episode airs. Uh, it premieres on April 6th on CoinFlix, uh, and then uh, it'll be going to uh, YouTube via Noah Grossman, uh, who's the host of the show, his YouTube page on the 13th and 20th. So we'll have two episodes out there, and uh, I feel like video games like competition shows um and you like goofiness if you ever wanted to see what a pro video game player can do with oven mitts on while trying to play uh while trying to play like street fighter 2 or something this is the show for you we'll post links to where you can watch it when it gets closer i'm actually i'm i'm guessing that we will because you generally do that for our social media and you're not going to let this go <laughs> I, a little bit of nepotism i guess is that is that the, is that the proper one, thing for it no I mean, it's it's favoritism i don't know one of the perks of having followers i guess the last night when i was hanging out eating dominoes putting together a beetlejuice puzzle i've been into puzzles lately because of uh it helps occupy my mind from other things but um what we were watching on Netflix, my wife put it on and I was building a puzzle at the time. And then I kept like kind of getting engrossed in it, but it is, have you guys watched, I'm going to mess this title up. The woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. Either you guys watch that? Uh, no, but I saw the trailer. It is absolutely batshit crazy. It is. First of all, you can tell by the title that it is, it's not really a comedy, but it is, it, it's a satire of that kind of uh, you know, kind of a thing basically and I, I don't want to spoil anything because it is there, there are twists and turns in every episode there's eight episodes but Kristen bell plays a woman who's she's got her own psychological and emotional issues and she lives in a house across the street <laughs> from a house where she sees a murder and then you know it kind of goes from there and you know it's kind of a rear window kind of a thing but um it's it, it is nuts and it's the funny thing is it, it was directed by the guy who did heathers his name's escaping me right now but um and he's also worked a lot in tv on like american horror story and screen queens i think and he um it everybody involved with this from the cast down to the writers they know exactly what they're making it is just this it's almost silly, but but it's not a comedy, but it's just this silly satire of these movies and they go at it full speed. And by the time you get to and I'm not going to say anything more about it because it's a huge it's a huge twist that is like chef's kiss. But by the time you get to the beginning of the last episode, I mean, I was standing up cheering. I was like, yes, this is brilliant. So, yeah. The, the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window is what it's called. And it is, it's definitely, it, every episode is only like 25 minutes long. So binging the whole thing is only like four hours. So, you know, it's one Beetlejuice puzzle worth of time. 
Well, that's like, um, have you guys uh, watched the show The After Party on Apple TV? Uh, not yet. Oh, man. It's so good. It's from Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who did like, you know, 21 Jump Street movies, the Lego movies. Yeah, the Lego movie. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so the after party on Apple TV, it's a murder mystery. It's very in in this in the uh, world of Clue, the movie um, uh, where it takes place after a high school reunion and everyone goes to the house because one of the classmates became a successful singer. Um kind of like uh, Justin Bieber, and he's played by Dave Franco, and he gets murdered at the after party. Or was he? You know, he gets... He, <laughs> all you know is he falls off a balcony, so uh, they try to figure out who the murderer is, and each episode follows this uh, the alibi-telling story of each character, and each episode's done a different style. So there's one where it's uh, Ben Schwartz uh, from Parks and Rec. His episode is a musical... Um, they had one where it's animated. They had one where it's like an action, you know, diehard type, you know, editing style. But it, uh, and it's all telling the same events of that night of what led to the murder. And they generally did a really good job of like having the, the reveal be left field and be like, oh, OK. They, they, they did it without like, you know, um, being like, oh, you fuckers, you changed some facts in there. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it was really good. And it's super funny. It's got Tiffany Haddish. It's 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 a super stacked cast. And uh, the woman across the street, you know, you know, whatever that, that the woman we will call it um, it. I don't know that it actually changes facts, but it's by the time it gets to the reveal, it's real heavy on spoken, you know, and this is how I did this and this is how I did this and this and which kind of plays into the whole parody aspect of it anyway. But it it's you just have to see it to believe it. And it's not it's a very watchable series. So it's not like you're sitting yeah. there going, oh, God, I got to sit through an eight hour long episode. You know, I mean, it's it's a so so we're living in the golden age of murder mystery series, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Maybe we Comedies, are at least. Yeah. I another thing that I saw, and I think I took the bullet for the three of us. Um, I saw Morbius, and actually, I liked it. <laughs> it is a better vampire movie than it is a superhero movie. I think they're mismarketing it as you know a Marvel movie. It's it, it's in the Marvel universe, the Sony Marvel universe, which is you know with all the different Spider Man universes and Venom. But it's it, it's written by the guys who did Dracula Untold and uh, The Last Witch Hunter. So that kind of tells you the kind of movie you're getting. The um, the action scenes are all real Matrixy. The visual effects are really cool because there'll be like basically Jared Leto plays Dr. Morbius, who has a blood disease, and he figures out a cure for it that involves fusing bat DNA with human DNA. Because that always goes so well. I, I was going to say, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> so he becomes this vampire type of a thing and um when he's turned into the vampire basically he has to keep drinking blood or he just get, result reverts back to the way he was with the blood disease and when he turns into a vampire it's weird because they'll like like he'll it'll be like jared leto's face and all of a sudden he'll kind of like look you know toward the camera and then all of a sudden you'll see the fangs grow real quick and then go away like the, the visual effects are really slick and you're like whoa did i just see that i mean they're it's really kind of cool but it um i mean it's it, it, it's not much it, it's it's an origin story and the thing is if there are two mid-credit scenes and do not read a cast list if you don't want the mid-credit scenes spoiled because the mid-credit scenes are spoiled by the second listed actor in the list is only in post-credit scenes so don't look at imdb well, and they they show it in the trailer. They spoil it in the trailers. Do too. they? I don't. I don't watch trailers. Yeah. So, okay. Well, then. Well, that. Ah, shame on you, Sony. I did read. I did read about the after credits thing. I was like, really? They put that in the trailer? Come on. That's, uh, yeah, that's weak. I didn't yeah. see the trailer. I didn't watch the trailer. I'm very confused on what Sony is doing with their Spider-Man universe things because I, I get it. They're like, oh, we're doing a bunch of like villain centered movies because we can't really do spider-man while we loan them out to marvel but like not every like i get it venom you know kind of does become a bit of an anti-hero later in the comics and morbius very much so is a tragic trying to be a hero thing he uh, is the hero of this movie because there there's there's another foe that comes up 
you know, to battle. So he is same powers, probably. Yeah, it, exactly <laughs> the same power. You're now now you're starting to spoil it. Well, but, no, um, that's that's just the formula. That's the yeah, formula it's, of these it's very things. cliche. You need. It's it's the it's the Iron Man formula. It's the you know oh we he has a suit. Well, who it's his first villain going to be? It's going to be someone with a bigger suit, you know. And that's or oh you have a Venom. What's his what's his villain going to be? It's a bigger Venom, you know. It, it's it's just it's just the formula, and that's that's what's so confusing. It's like where so where are you going with this? Because like I get Morbius. He's a, he's a, he is trying to be a hero, but he's a very tragic figure. Also, just want to bring up nineties. Uh, Spider-Man animated series to avoid him biting people in the necks. They had like, like suction cup things on his hands, and that's how he would he would put his hand on people, and that's how he would draw the blood. But it looked like a bunch of buttholes on his hand. <laughs> so it, I, that's my question: Do we get the hand buttholes? No, no hand buttholes. <gasps> but then I don't want to see this movie. I don't want to see most it. of the blood he drinks that they show is um, out of uh, bags or um, it's artificial blood. You know, it's like he'll he'll go to like because he had this blood disease that where he had to have transfusions like every few hours. So he has a room full of um, both artificial and genuine blood, which he invented the artificial blood. The science in this is freaking laughable. This is like the core level science in this movie. <laughs> but oh. um, but he'll go in there and he'll like rip open a bag and drink it. And then, you know, that is what and he keeps track of how long. So, okay, it's getting shorter. It used to be six hours. Now it's four, you know, so he, he knows that he's got to figure something out. So it's a ticking clock movie too, but yeah, it, um, I enjoyed it more than most people are ripping into it. And I think that, you know, approaching it, not knowing anything about Morbius, the comic book, just approaching it as, you know, just like a vampire movie. I, I thought it was fun. I mean, I, I kind of enjoyed it. Not kind of, I did enjoy it. Yeah. We'll see how much steam this extended Spider-Man verse because they got Craven the Hunter movie coming and they got a Madam Web. Yeah, they're just milking as much of their copyright as they can, which which I get. But like, it's just like it's 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 like my issues with with music biopics. It's like, OK, you're going to take these very interesting people and then just stick them into this formula that doesn't apply to every every character every person you know like it, it's like and i get it you're trying to do the safe bet thing with like the formula and all that but like just uh i don't know i well, i'm not excited for morbius i i will catch it later just because you know i am curious as to what they do but also like i i don't care for jared leto he was great in house of gucci though i yes. will give him that he was he's not in a fat suit in this oh <laughs> wario wing it up <laughs> Dude, every, House of Gucci was amazing, and I will fight everybody on that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of stuff that is in trailers that's not in the movie, um, they had a sale on Voodoo uh, for the um, the Paranormal Activity movies, and yeah. I already own them all. But of the six movies, four of the ones in this bundle were extended cuts, which I didn't own. So I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm pulling the trigger. And the first thing I did was watch number three because that's my favorite, the extended cut. Mm-hmm. Three is one of those movies where not a shot from the trailer is in the actual movie. Yeah, it is in the extended cut, and it is awesome. The, the way, like, like the 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 first trailer that came out for Paranormal Activity Three was the two girls playing Bloody Mary. You know, just basically one camera them playing Bloody Mary, and it is a little different. It's creepier in the trailer, but that that scene is in it. There's a scene where she jumps from the top of the of the of the like this loft and then walks up the stair you know that that's just all this stuff that yeah. is in the trailer that they cut from the they probably cut it from the movie after they made the trailer but it's in the extended cut which is actually pretty cool which i i love that tactic i know it's 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 not always there's there's good examples of using footage that's not in the movie and then there's really bad ones i think uh you know like doing stuff like the i always bring it up the shining trailer or the back to the future teaser trailers where it's all new footage or extended footage you know from it it doesn't really show much uh hitchcock with psycho trailer i just watched uh 7852 and like it just brought back great memories of watching that trailer for the first jason time. takes manhattan is the best trailer <laughs> yeah and of course leatherface the texas chance on massacre yeah that's the other one 
But you know who was, who who did us dirty was the trailer for Predators. Remember how awesome oh, yeah. that trailer for Predators was? And it ends on that shot of Adrian Brody, like standing there. You see the three lasers on his forehead, and then all of a sudden, doom, as more come up, doom, 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 and you're like, oh shit, there's gonna be a fuck ton of Predators in this, and Adrian Brody's gonna get fucked up. And then you watch the movie, and it's just the one, and it was like, oh, you t. You know who else did us dirty? Rogue One, because the trailer has this awesome shot where um, Jin is running like after having the plans and all of a sudden a TIE fighter appears at the end of the pathway she's running at. And you're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be, it's not in the freaking movie. Well, that one went through like some pretty crazy reshoots. Like that whole, the whole last act with Vader was not in the original cut from what I read. So yeah, they switched that around. Yeah. But that last, that, that last cut that leads into a new hope is actually pretty awesome. <laughs> oh, Rogue One is still my favorite of the, uh, Need Star Wars. I want to see what happens with that TIE fighter blocking her path. Yeah, <sighs> I know. And speaking of edits, I saw something very interesting recently. Um, Adam Rifkin and Josh Olson were doing a surprise screening at the Los Feliz Theater, and nobody knew what it was going in. And it turned out to be this little personal project they were doing. Uh, are you guys familiar with the airport film franchise? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's like uh, back in the 70s, they made all these disaster movies revolving around airplanes. And it was uh, yeah, it was called Airport and they made uh, four of them. Uh, and, and then the franchise was killed when Airplane came out, uh, satirizing them and uh, kind of uh, destroyed the disaster franchise or, uh, uh, genre at the time. Uh, so Adam Rifkin, and Josh Olsen edited all four airport movies together into one movie called Airports. Airports, airports, airports. You know, it's like how Plural. James Cameron turned alien to aliens when he wrote that dollar sign in, uh, instead of an S on aliens. How long is this uh, th- this mix this mashup? Uh, it's an hour and a half. Hour and a- okay, so it's it's shorter than wow. most of the airport movies. Um, so you see George Kennedy go from mechanic <laughs> to pilot. Over the course of 90 minutes. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Although I think it's like in the context of the edit, it's like they're uh, twin brothers because they edited it around. So, like, there's all this silly stuff. Like, Linda Blair turns into Reagan from The Exorcist, and Karen Black is possessed by the Zuni fetish doll in, in some scenes. And there's edits of like, I don't know, explosions and weird and weird stuff. It's it's really ridiculous. By the um, time you get to Airport 79, it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous anyway, because I remember there's one scene where Concord. George Kennedy. Yeah, the Concord. George Kennedy's flying this Concord because he's a pilot by now. Yeah. And there's a missile heading toward it, a heat seeking missile. So he rolls down the window of yeah. the Concord mid flight sh- to shoot a flare gun to get this heat seeking missile yep. off there. That's that's not how <laughs> that's, that's not, not how any of this works. That's not how any of this. No. Like look, that's it's science, you know, the concords have rolled uh, windows you can just roll down in case you got to shoot a flare to distract a missile. <laughs> It'd be dangerous if it didn't under those circumstances. <laughs> I I have never watched an airport movie, but I did just get the collection on Blu-ray off of Groove for like 10 bucks. So I'm so excited to finally watch these movies. I know Jack Lemmon is in at least one of them. Yeah, no, that's the thing. These movies are so ridiculously star studded. Like, they, you know, they're just so many recognizable people in this edit. Like, it's basically if, uh, you know, the the edits, it's just all big name actors, a, a lot of big name actors in one movie. Like the credits just go on and on and on with like how many people are, you know, you got uh, Christopher Lee, Jerry Stiller, uh, Karen Black, Linda Blair, George Kennedy, of course, four times four George Kennedys, <laughs> four George which, Kennedys. of course, is better than one George Kennedy. Yeah, it's the love boat of airport disaster movies. <laughs> exactly. You know? Were these TV movies or were they theatrical? No, they were oh, theatrical. They, they oh, were yeah. theatrical. Wow. These were a major deal. And what one of my favorite things about airport movies is the titles because they don't even go it's airport two it's airport three no it's airport then it's like airport 77 airport 78 airport 79 it's just like it like it's like they knew like oh shit we're gonna keep pumping these out forever and then like 79 they were like okay we're done yeah airplane killed it where do you go from rolling down the window of a concord (laughs) but fun fact, i don't know uh airplane was like the story and stuff is not based on the airport movies it's based off of like a 1950s like 
B-movie that the Zuckers were absolutely obsessed with, and that's the main movie they were parodying. Airplane actually did take it past the Concorde because Airplane 2, they went to space. It was the oh, space yeah, show. yeah, they did. Oh, yeah, there was <laughs> Airplane 2. Um, but, yeah, no, the airports, though, was was really funny, and it, you know, it was, it was apparently was a project Rifkin and Olsen were doing during lockdown, so I, I really hope that it somehow manages to get some kind of public uh, release because it is funny as hell the movie that airplane shot the nearly shot for shot remade uh was 1957's zero hour uh and apparently it was like a very serious movie it like flew under the radar well oh oh surely it can't be serious that was yeah. did you like my pun flew under the radar anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, um but yeah and i've heard that a few times because everyone does think it's the airport movies they're parodying and then like the zuckers are like no have you heard of zero hour and everyone's like no and they're like that's why we were able to basically remake it shot for shot and using large parts of their script <laughs> they were parodying the the trend uh the, the airport trend because you know right up to the exclamation point of the end of airplane you know it it <laughs> I have I've been traveling a lot. Uh, one of the reasons why we missed a week, it was traveling for work and whatnot. So I haven't been able to watch a lot of movies, but I have been doing a lot of reading. I do that on airplanes because I can't watch on tiny screens sometimes. And uh, I've been reading this really great book that's uh, called The Book of Lilith. And it's by Barbara Black uh, Koltov. And it's all about um, the origins and evolution of Adam's first wife, Lilith, and how she became like... She was originally like the symbol and power of femininity and um, and and was like a very important part of like the or the Adam and Eve and all the, all that stories and how she through the years shifted from a part of that narrative to just queen of the demons. And it's very interesting uh, read on manipulation of story uh, mythology, but also just like how Lilith was not just like you know uh because the origin of eve is that she's a part of adam and that god turns into woman so in in that narrative women are very much so an afterthought it's a very misogynistic you know viewpoint whereas lilith was an equal to adam and basically was just like i don't want this dude and just like fucks off and it's great because she's like the empowerment of like sexuality and femininity and then like just seeing how that narrative is twisted and changed until we get you know the Lilith we know, which is now, which is Queen of the Demons. You know, she was like a villain and uh, supernatural, you know, because that's where like the popular narrative is. So it's it's very interesting. And it's a very for uh, such a small book. It's very dense read, uh, very academic. So I highly recommend the Book of Lilith if you want to see dive more into like psychology of mythology and how that changes through uh, the ages and really how the patriarchy upholds. Uh, it stands through religion. It's interesting. Yeah, that does sound like an interesting read. Yeah. Uh, back to what I was saying earlier, I saw uh, Jack Shoulders, The Hidden, again last night. Uh, there was a midnight screening at the New Bev. And, man, that movie still holds up. It is so much fun. Because it is such a weird but fascinating kind of genre mashup because it's a buddy cop movie, it's an action movie, it's a horror movie, it's a sci-fi movie. And you got Kyle, Mac Kyle MacLachlan as a quirky FBI agent years before Twin Peaks. I was about to say, that, that fits his M.O. a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> it set the trend. And yeah, no, there was a lot of applauding and, you know, like it was, it was very much an audience movie. You know, it's very exciting. Um just, you know, people lost it uh, during like the scene in the jail where like out of nowhere, Danny Trejo pops up. <laughs> yeah, because that was one of his early when he was still doing a lot of uh... bit parts. Yeah. Yeah. And and of course, uh, Clue Golger got applause basically whenever he popped up as he should. Yeah, no, he, he deserves it. Uh, but yeah, no, it's just such a fun movie, too, because, you know, you got this like out of control, like like body hopping alien who doesn't really have like grand plans, world domination or stuff. He just he he wants music, uh, food, uh, fat and fast cars, and he just and he will kill anybody who gets in his way. You know, and just his and his catchphrase is "I want it." Like he just just takes whatever he wants, and he tells people that he wants it, and if they don't let him have it, he kills them. So he's just pure id. 
basically. And also, I love, though, that it has a buddy cop backstory to it, because like the the alien criminal killed Kyle McLaughlin's partner and wife and and child. So like it's got that typical, you know, kind of buddy cop revenge type story, but they're space aliens. So it's Mad Max is what you're saying. A little bit. Yeah. (laughs) I'd say more like kind of a lethal weapon in space type of ah, situation. Yeah. Or sorry, lethal weapon two in space. Now, uh, speaking of rewatches, I wa- finally watched Judgment Night. I know that was one that oh, yeah. we talked about with Benji. What was it, two years ago now? Something like that. Yeah, <laughs> you waited way too long to watch yeah. that. <laughs> I wish I watched it sooner because let me tell you, you guys did not overhype that. Uh, Judgment Night with Emilio Estevez, Cuba Gooding Jr., uh, Steven Dorff and uh, Dennis Leary, man, what what a ride that uh, it reminded me a lot of uh, the Warriors, where it's just like a group of individuals in the uh, chaos that is uh, inner city. And man, Dennis Leary, uh, I think, Jay, you and I were talking about how Dennis Leary is a bit of a one note, you know, type of actor. But like, man, does it play hard in this? He is a great villain. He's like a, the note is perfect in yeah. Judgment Night. Yeah. He plays like a criminal kingpin, but they never tell him like what he does. Like, is he into drugs? Is he into it doesn't matter. He's just he's just a kingpin. And like there are some parts in it where he is just like an evil, evil bastard. And then like he turns around, he's like, listen, like like he goes from like murderous psycho to just like, all right, let's talk business because business at the end of the day is the art of you know psychos anyway so it works out um but yeah judgment night Ooh, that Warner archive uh blu-ray for it too looks really good it has like no features but it looks phenomenal so if you haven't watched judgment night watch judgment night another thing that i saw um it, it's on hulu um deep water either of you guys watch deep water no but oh, i heard man. about it this is the movie that Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas um, met making like before the quarantine, because th- they were kind of the quarantine it couple when everybody first started getting locked down and they've since broken up. But this was the movie that they were that they met making. And it's directed by Adrian Lynn. So Lynn line, however you say his name, the guy who did fatal attraction and indecent proposal. So um, it's. <sighs> in quotes, an erotic thriller, because I didn't think anything was very erotic about it. But um, basically, Ben Affleck is this dude who he's he's in. They're married. They're a married couple and they have one kid and he lets her have her lovers on the side so that she stays married to him for the sake of their kid. And of course, you know, he still is jealous. And at one point he jokes with one of her lovers about how um, one of her older lovers went missing and he jokes about how he killed him. And of course he becomes a suspect when another one of her lovers shows, turns up dead. So you're like, you know, it, it's just kind of twisty and turny and, you know, it's not really a mystery because it kind of gets laid out for you, you know, like a connect the dots kind of a thing, but it, it's a, I mean, it's, it's kind of fun. It's not as, I think I expect more. For, it's not fatal attraction. I think I expect more. I expected more, but you know, it, it's a cool little, uh, cool little diversion i almost kind of like the there's i feel like there's a subgenre of erotic thrillers that are just not erotic at all like <laughs> they try to be but they yeah. fail to be you know and i need to put that list together of just like like ones that are trying to be but they're but they just can't whether it's like the chemistry just isn't there or it's shot weird you know sometimes those are way more entertaining than yeah, the ones that are actually good. There are a couple places uh, not not to go to go back like a half an hour. There are a couple places in the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window um, where it it kind of ventures into that, and you're like, "All oh, okay, is or is this supposed to be titillating?" Because it's not, you know? that's awesome. Now uh, I know we've been kind of holding off on talking these, but there were two. There were a few major releases that we. Uh, well, besides Morbius, but like, I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't think Jacob and I are pretty enthused about that. But uh, did you guys see everything everywhere all at once? I did. I did not. The, the the press screening was was press promo with a full feeder. So I uh, I have to wait on that one. Well, we'll we'll try not to spoil uh, anything with it because. But I will say this. Holy shit. Is it an incredible film? Like, oh, yeah. Uh, it's from the Daniels who did uh, Swiss Army Man and uh, the music video for Turn Down for What uh, back in the day. And 
my goodness uh it's a it's a multiverse story so marvel and dc are fucked because there's no way (laughs) that doctor strange and the multiverse of madness is gonna be anywhere near as good as this i'm just gonna say uh, sam raimi i love you but yeah no wow um and it stars michelle Yu um and james hahn are in it um and it's an incredible story about uh like an, it's 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 a it's an immigrant story of coming to America and starting a new life, and then um, this this family is trying to <laughs> pay their taxes when all of a sudden the mom is uh, contacted fr- by her husband in another multiverse to save the multiverses and to stop the collapse. And it is if you th- okay, you guys have seen Swiss Army Man, so you know how weird and heartfelt that movie is. The farting uh, corpse, Daniel Radcliffe. Exactly. Uh, This movie takes that same weirdness and that same, you know, heart uh, and turns it to 11. And yeah, just career defining performances from everyone involved. Uh, It yeah, it had me it had me crying, uh, which I haven't done in a theater in a while. So, yeah, absolutely great movie. What do you think, Jacob? Yeah, no, it definitely made me cheer up. Uh, I thought it was an amazing film. Just a just the heaviness to it while also being so lighthearted and weird as hell, and especially the kind of uh, multiverse fighting uh, style that they invoke with like the, it's kind of hard to explain, but yeah, you know, just it uses the multiverse in pretty creative ways in the fights. And uh, also a big shout out to uh, Kei Hoi Kwan. Uh, you know, he, he played uh, data in the Goonies and short round in Indiana Jones. And I feel like this is his, uh, renaissance, is renaissance because uh, I saw it in IMAX and uh, he had uh, he had a very big scene where he fights some bad guys and it earned a uh, like a near standing ovation like it was like pe- it, like people lo- uh, loved him in the movie. It's in the trailer, so I'm going to say it. it was a fighting scene with a fanny pack, and yes. I I have to mention this because it is the most incredible looking fanny pack I have ever seen. (laughs) It has so many pouches and zippers and he wields it gracefully in that fight scene. Like, ah, I need, I need that fanny pack in my life. It was a badass fanny pack. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, but also lest we forget, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Jamie Lee Curtis has an amazing comedy career. She has been incredible in like a fish called Wanda and screen Queens, but she taps into and does something that she's i've never seen her do before like her performance her timing everything about her character is so incredible um and yeah it's just such an imaginative movie one of the uh ways they're able to tap into the multiverses is, is by trick algorithms through improbability so how they do it is by tapping into what's the most improbable thing you could be doing to trick the <laughs> algorithm and tap into it and it could and so like a lot of the movie is like Michelle, you and the others doing the weirdest fucking things. Um, for example, one person needs to tap into a multiverse and how they do it is they need to give themselves four paper cuts between their fingers. And so this action scene is happening while this person's trying to give them the worst paper cuts ever. And it's just, uh, you could hear everyone in the theater just be like, Oh, stop. No, stop. No. Yeah. No, that, that happened at my theater too. And it's and that wasn't even the weirdest multiverse jump because I'm not going to spoil the, the 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 greatest fight scene uh, ever. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, again, I I want to say it, but I can't. Oh, uh, we can't. Uh, we'll say it involves an object that you see in the in the trailers. How's that? Yeah, there there is some foreshadowing. Yeah, but, but yeah, no, just it's such, it is such an amazing movie, and it's just amazing that something you know so weird can be so heartfelt. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Just, there's so many layers to it. It's going to be hard because right now that's my top film of the year. So it's going to be hard to top. That. I'd have to say I agree. Like it's probably my favorite so far this year. But let's uh, let's bring Jay back into the conversation to discuss Ty West's X because I mm-hmm. know you've seen that, bud. Yeah, which that is my uh, right now. It's the only movie I've seen this year that I think may stick around for my top ten. I loved X. Not Morbius. No. <laughs> I mean, if you see less than 10 movies this year, then Morbius will still be in your top 10, I guess, right? Put it this way. Texas Chainsaw Massacre will hit my top 10 before Morbius. <laughs> <laughs> because I like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's very forgettable. I like Morbius, too. 
but it's more forgettable. <laughs> Actually, before we get into X, let's discuss that for a hot minute about how everyone was on fire about Texas Chainsaw a couple of weeks ago. Like we're we're talking weeks, not maybe a oh, full yeah. month at this point, and now no one is talking about it. Absolute silence. Like that's is that because of the film? Is it because of like the the Netflix streaming? Because like. I, I, I almost want to blame the streaming because I feel like if it got a theatrical thing, there would be longer discussion about this film. But Netflix just like buries their stuff after like the first week. Incredible, but sad. Anyways, back to X. Ty West, 10 years since his last film. And what a film to come back with. Like just uh, if you haven't seen X yet, it's about a group who are going to a farmhouse in the middle of Texas to film a porno and you know shit gets shit goes wrong it goes wrong real fast and uh great performances all around britney snow especially uh absolutely incredible performance out of her uh uh, i'm very i was very taken back and like where she went with a lot of her acting choices and she and she went for it with uh you know a lot of the the graphic nature of the film because you know it, it does cover people making porn and it does get very goopy with the uh with the bloodshed so you know it it delivered on all fronts with that x title what'd you think jacob oh man i loved it yeah no just it was such an interesting kind of 70s throwback without relying too heavily on homage you know because it's because like i watch a lot of uh horror trailer reels especially especially for like 70s stuff you know the like mad ron's trailers from hell and it really did feel like a lost movie from that kind of sleazy era you know like uh uh i dismember mama or three and a meat hook or you know that that type of drive-in 70s horror uh stuff uh so it it, it so it it was it was a, it was interesting how much of a slow build it was too because you know it's not you know like everything's hacking and slashing right off the bat. The first kill isn't for an hour into the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Although although there is that one scene uh, that got a lot of oohs and ahs from the audience because it was so intense. You know, just like oh no, is this going to happen? The 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 one where she's swimming off the dock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, just I just I saw it at the new. I, I was very lucky. I saw it at the new Beverly with. Uh, it was like the pre-screening uh, with Ty West uh, doing the Q and A, uh, and yeah, just during that scene, it was like, oh no, oh no, you know, just I mean, because you, you just got somebody in a body of water with a, a predatory animal nearby. Everybody's just going to be on the edge of their seat. And and what a beautifully shot scene too because like it is mia goth and she you know takes a break from you know everyone's you know in the house filming and stuff and she just goes for a skinny dip in the pond nearby and they do this really beautiful aerial shot you know and and just like the pose she has in the water almost you know making a y and and like with how far it is and like and then yeah you see you see the creature crossing you can almost hear the jaws theme as it's done (laughs) like like it was it was such a it was so beautiful it definitely like invoked um a lot of like what kubrick was doing with 2001 and the sphere and the imagery of the eye in that moment and yeah and i did really love on how much of a slow burn that movie it was and they did a really good job with the characters because like yeah that first hour is just like these this group of uh you know uh, independent filmmakers trying to make an adult film and you know so there's but like none of the characters felt boring you know you there was there was history there was story behind each and every one of them and you could have easily fallen into the pit of like oh this is just like a one-dimensional character and if any one of them had been it would have been the most boring movie ever um because again it does take an hour to get to those kills but uh each one of them uh had depth to it um uh, Scott Miss Cuddy, Kid Cuddy, you know, uh, played one of the uh, adult actors and he goes into, you know, being a Marine and during Vietnam and stuff. And so a lot of that is invoked and it helped motivate a lot of how they start reacting to the situation that, you know, leads to the bloodshed later on. And uh, Jenna or Ortega was also incredible. She's brought in as kind of like the... Um, the guy who's directing and shooting the film, he's his, she's his girlfriend and she's slash like, sound person slash sound <laughs> yeah. person. Yeah. yeah. And like, 
first of all, she's bona fide Scream Queen. After after Scream Five and this, she is you know modern day Scream Queen for certain. And oh boy, does she get a few good screams in there as well. But like even like her character, like she's presented as like the you know they keep calling her Church Mouse and how she's really quiet and stuff. But she goes through like a whole range of like different reactions and emotions and her character arc is very very interesting and yeah i i really appreciate that like what jacob said that this film is very invoke invocative of the 70s grindhouse movies but it doesn't rely on homage like you don't it's not just sitting there going oh remember this bit from this from <laughs> this remember this bit from like 360 maniacs in Texasville, you know and like it it doesn't do that it's definitely like a deconstruction and like a, a love letter to those films without it just kind of not parodying, but like homaging too much. Cause I feel like that's one of the issues that we run into, especially with all these requels and everything is that people are doing too hard, just like replicating moments, replicating plots, replicating, you know, things, but there's no heart. There's no like character thought or anything with it. And I, I thought that was that it, it's, it's, it's a phenomenal film. I mean, like, again, it's at the end of the day, it's a movie about a group of individuals trying to make a porn film and it ends in a massacre. And yet it <laughs> and has, it has the best porn star name since boogie nights, because kid, uh, kid cooties name is Jackson hole. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jackson hole. That's such a great name. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So now, now Ty West is, um, I mean, he gets kind of a lot of flack in his career for being an imitator because his movies, you know, House of the Dead, The Innkeepers, even The Sacrament are kind of he wears his influences on his sleeve. And this one is no different. See, this is almost like and you could tell from the trailer, this is basically Texas Chainsaw Massacre without the chainsaw. Yeah. I mean, it's it's in Texas. It's a massacre. <laughs> and, but like, you know, you got the van, you've got the young kids, you've got the isolated house and stuff. But he makes he takes that aesthetic and makes a completely different movie you know it's it's not the only thing that that's texas chainsaw massacre about it is the look the story itself is is different i mean i think there's uh with the cinematography there's there's a few you know influences of tc of the original tcm in there uh they definitely don't go as like dirty or as you know yellow um there there are parts with the um the the with the adult film scenes where they definitely make it look you know 16 or 8 mil and uh with and then have that like color grain and stuff like that but like tcm had a very the original tcm had a very dirty dirty look and it was very yellow and very you know old-timey but yeah the like i i thought that was a great analogy it's tcm but without the chainsaws yeah and they they do a really interesting thing with the with the villains of the movie too, uh, and I'm trying not to get into spoiler territory with that, so I'm trying to use my words wisely with it. But they definitely give you a, like a bit of a bait and switch with it. But at the end of the day, no matter what the trailer presented or what these characters look like in the beginning, they're evil sons of bitches, and it's fucking fantastic. And it's hard to pull off, too, sometimes when you have characters that don't look threatening, that don't seem like they could be. And having this old couple be that, I thought was very well done without being insulting you know it's kind of like um one of the things that really kind of irked me with the original wrong turn series was the thing where it's just like oh they're evil because they're inbreds look how deformed they are and stuff whereas with they didn't really get into that it's just like oh here's some like really rough looking old folks and uh but they're still able to do be menacing without like tapping into anything supernatural or anything like that which i thought was very well done yeah so go see X. <laughs> go see everything everywhere all at once. Uh, Watch them back to back. Oh, I, I don't know about that. I did that yesterday <laughs> and that was that was a very emotional day uh, all around. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the the audience reaction to X was phenomenal. Um, there was people uh, cheering. There was people, you know. And I just saw that at AMC, but there was, yeah, there was a few moments of just like you hear, oh, shit. It's weird to call movies like that fun because it's just a lot of carnage and bloodshed and stuff. But X is really a fun movie, actually. I mean, it's yeah. like it, it, it's just, you know, it, it just delivers on its premise. 
I mean, yeah. that's the best way to put it. It's, you know, it's the movie you want it to be and you have no regrets about it. And I think one of the reasons why it delivers is because it fits within that formula that we've seen so many times with slashers. But as you said, it does it right. Like these aren't one dimensional characters. You actually like care about them. They react. You know, there's not there's no real like, oh, why are you going upstairs? That's stupid. Boy. You know, like there's none. Of, there's no moments where people do stuff just to have something dramatic happen. You know, it doesn't walking dead you at all. Um, you know, you don't feel like the characters are stupid. There's just like a lot of situations where you could be like, all right, I can see why their guard was down in that moment. You know, the first kill especially was just like a very like, what the fuck is going on? But you understand why, why like that character let their guard down because how would you react to that situation? It's weird. Shout out to uh, the guy who, uh, in my ex theater, who was on his phone the whole fucking time, though. Uh, uh, I was not surprised to notice that you had a Joaquin Phoenix Joker background on your phone. <laughs> but wow. thank you. But thank you for putting it away when I had to get up and tell you to put your fucking phone away. Uh, thank you for keeping in your pocket the rest of the movie. Um, why would you do that? Well, tell me, people, why would you go to a movie theater and be on your... And it wasn't like he he just got a text and looked at it. Like, I saw him, like, scrolling multiple apps and shit. Like, uh He's playing Sudoku while he's watching X. He, he, was on, he was on Tinder. He was messaging people. He was going through photos. He was on Instagram. Like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, uh, uh, uh. why would you? Why would you pay nearly $20 to go see a fucking movie and then be on your phone? All right, I'm done. Sorry. I could see it if it's a boring movie. If you're, you know, if you're sitting through something that's, but I mean, X. Uh, still, it's a dick. It's a dick move. Yeah. A dick no, move. No, it, yeah. No, yeah. Go out in the lobby. Go to the walkway. Go to the walkway. If you, if it's really that important, you know, I get it. I work production. I've had to do that where people are messaging me because shit's on fire. And, you know, I go to the walkway where no one can see me, you know, respond to the text. And then I go back to my seat. Like, just put your phone away. Anyways, go see X. Don't be on your fucking phone. <laughs> Go see everything everywhere all at once. Don't be on your fucking phone. It's funny because we had um, we had a topic set up that was going to revolve around X, but I think we kind of covered it. We, we were going to talk basically about, about the retro aesthetic of some of these movies. And we don't want to spoil X. In fact, I think we're going to do uh, a mini-sode that does spoil it because we don't want to spoil it for anybody. But um, just... Uh, just real quick, what are some other movies like that that rely on like a retro aesthetic that you guys can think of? But without like being too referential? Yeah, like like an example I think is the new Scream is pretty 90s oh, yeah. Yeah. from a visual perspective. But then, of course, you know, you've got your, you know, you have your updated technology kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, well, immediately Death Proof, um, I, I feel was was one that wore its influences on its sleeve of like, you know, 70s grindhouse and whatnot. And, but didn't get too referential, you know, like it, it felt like it was a movie of that time, but with the modern filmmaking um, techniques and spins and stuff. Plus, I mean, Kurt Russell is stuntman Mike, you know, that, that was a career defining performance and just absolutely incredible all around. I think the Conjuring movies kind of have done that with um, they they almost feel like they want to be the Amityville horror oh, yeah. um, the, it, with that whole, you know, 70s uh, haunted house thing, which Ty West also does that in the innkeepers as well. So it kind of um, it it kind of, I mean, like I said, Ty West does it better than anybody, but it looks like James Wan is pretty good, too. Uh, the first one that comes to mind for me would probably be Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. Uh, any chance, any chance he gets to bring up this movie. <laughs> uh, look, I, uh, exactly. Uh, that is my character. I will do whatever it takes to reference Dude Bro Party Massacre 3 at any given opportunity. It's, but, it's not a character fault if, that, if, that's, what, if that's what you think I'm implying. <laughs> I, I love it. I still haven't seen it, though. Yeah, but uh, still, though, is that uh, the movie is shot like vhs or like it, it was transferred onto vhs to to give it that quality and it it does really feel like kind of the direct-to-video late 80s early 90s um 
kind of style of of the the many directed video slasher movies. So it, it does kind of, it, it does a good job of capturing that kind of lo fi aesthetic. Um, and also, yeah, and, and I am a sucker for kind of like you know VHS filtered type of movies. And uh, I would also say Turbo Kid. Um, oh yeah, very much. Because yeah. there's there's definitely been in the last like twenty years that like retro nostalgia. You know where it becomes too referential at times you know um but there was a period where there was a slew of movies that they just like nailed it right on the head like of just having the aesthetic without being too like uh uh-huh, uh-huh. we mentioned ghostbusters isn't this great ha 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 we mentioned this because it's of this time it, they didn't uh abrams it uh, i always poke fun at jj abrams star trek for being star trek movies in name but really they're star wars movies that just have a lot of star trek references in it you know and i think turbo kid is another one that like just nails that nostalgia without you know being super referential and wears its heart on its sleeve and man just what what a genuinely fun movie the the first um part of it does that too it almost feels like stand by me um and then yeah, purposely the second part when they're adults, you know, updates it. But the, the first part of it felt like that to me. And then, of course, you have series like Danger Five, where it's just oh, like, yes, where, yes, because there's the there's the side of it where it is referential, but it's you know nostalgic. But they take it to eleven with the goofiness. So you have like Danger Five or Kung Fury, you know, where it's just like so over the top with it, uh, but so much fun. God, I need to rewatch Danger Five. Yeah. Also, uh, one that came to mind was The Void, because um, it's set in a vague time period, and it does feel like. Uh, it's like some kind of 80s or 90s creature feature with a lot of practical effects. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It just It does feel like something I would have watched on the sci-fi channel back in the 90s. Oh, it's very invocative of uh, Stuart Gordon's work in the 80s. Oh, know? definitely. Yeah. All right. I think I, is this as much as we could talk about X without spoiling it? Yeah, I think we're going to have to minisode it, dude, because like, there's so much <laughs> yeah. I need to talk about with that movie. Uh, I think we're going to need another 15 separate. All right, then let's let's get out of here and, and move on to that. Um, before we go, though, let's we, we should have mentioned this earlier, but we're going to mention it right now. Bruce Willis retiring from acting. So let's just go. What are your favorite Bruce Willis roles? I'm going to say The Sixth Sense and uh, basically the Shyamalan ones. Sixth Sense, Unbreakable and uh, Glass. Two that come to mind for me that I actually rewatched uh, after hearing the news, uh, Death Becomes Her and The Fifth Element. Like uh, Death Becomes Her is one of my favorite comedic roles by uh, Willis and The Fifth Element is one of my favorite action roles with him. And yeah, no, it just, you know, it just shows, you know, just uh, what, what a wide range he had, especially in the 90s. Oh, yeah. Bruce Willie, man. Like that, that's... Ah, that's such rough news. Um, favorite Bruce Willis roles. I mean, obviously, you know, the Die Hard trilogy uh, all around. So much fun. And I say trilogy because um, <laughs> I did watch four and five recently. And no, no, thank you. But the trilogy, especially Die Hard with a Vengeance is still my favorite. Um, but also I, I have to looper just like what what a great role with him. Uh, it was very reflective. Also, Sin City, like what what if like both those movies felt like they were kind of critiquing, um, but also kind of like the next evolution of that Bruce Willis action role, you know, where it was like, yeah, I'm doing the most extreme version of that, but adding another layer to it. So with like Sin City, it was very much so like getting into like the comic booky nature of it, whereas like Looper brought in like an emotional level that was uh, not really seen uh, in a lot of his action performances, and then of course, yeah, I gotta I gotta double down on uh, Death Becomes Her because the the comedy chops on him in that movie were phenomenal, and he was a comedic actor first, you know, with uh, moonlighting, yeah. You know? Um, and we can't forget to mention Pulp Fiction because uh, m- one of my favorite moments in Pulp Fiction, my second favorite, my first favorite is Quentin Tarantino and his. I don't need you to tell me how good the coffee is, okay? I know how good my coffee is, but my second favorite moment is when he's got the samurai sword and he's like, you want that gun? Don't you go for it? Yeah, go for (laughs) that boy (laughs) as butch. Yep. Uh, He did. It's funny because he he's gotten kind of a lot of 
flack for um he did like eight movies last year and there was another seven of them on board for this year he had his own razzies category they're all worst bruce willis movie of 2021 <laughs> um and this is before anybody knew you know he he's retiring because he I, I forget the name of it but it's some um some disorder where you can't emote you basically can't um he he, he won't be able to act anymore is basically the the thing. And we've known that he's been kind of, there've been rumors, you know, questionable, you know, about how he's, someone's got to feed him lines through an earpiece, or he has to have the script, you know, taped to someone in front of him kind of a thing. But he got a lot of flack for doing so many movies in such a short time. And I guess these movies are like really bad. They're like um, just thrown together. It's like they had Bruce Willis for a month and yeah. And, and, but then they like just shot as much footage as they could and the, and they're editing them together into cohesive movies. Um, but apparently he was setting himself up for retirement. He was just banking, banking movies and money, which I mean, Hey, you got to live, you know, <laughs> but again, you know, he, he's had such a, an amazing career. Uh, I mean, we, we only scratched the surface on how many great movies he's been in and great performance he's given. Um, aphasia is 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 what that's he has. what it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, and you know it's it's rough seeing your you know because I mean he was an action hero for all of us growing up, and you know it's hard to see them go there. But I'm glad he's I'm I'm happy that he's taking the opportunity to step back and like you know work on it, his health and all that. You know put put the focus where it's needed, and you know we'll miss him. And like uh, I think this is also a great opportunity to say fuck the Razzies. And that mm-hmm. it's a mean spirited or uh, thing that sh- really doesn't need to exist anymore. I don't think it needed to exist in the beginning, but they're already starting to like they're rescinding that category, um, and they're also rescinding Shelley Duvall's nomination for The Shining back in '80. I mean, I get where the Razzie are coming. They, they they came from kind of a a, a spot of humor, and and I kind of get you know, I mean, they're razzing you. Um, but you're right. It has gotten very mean spirited, especially when they're nominating movies that aren't even bad anymore. It's just they they just want to hop on a bandwagon. Yeah. And I don't even like when people have, you know, 10 worst lists, you know, you know, they, they have bottom 10 lists. I mean, I won't even do that. I mean, because as far as I'm concerned, and, you know, and hey, you're talking about the guy who liked Mor- Morbius. Um, as far as, you know, I, I legitimately like Cats. Um, you, I, any movie that can get made, I think is worth celebrating. So I can find something about pretty much anything I like. So yeah, the Razzies for me are always just kind of a waste of time. Yeah. Um, but I can see when they started, I think they came from more of like a humor kind of a thing where you're going to make fun of, you know, but it also, it, it takes away from like the hard work that the cast and crew and everyone behind, because making, making something is, it's, it's so hard. It's so hard. It, t- it takes, and I get it. There's definitely those cash-ins and there's stuff to razz on. Like how the fuck did ter- uh, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen get made, you know, with the f- stupid testicle joke, you know what I mean? Like I understand- Even Michael Bay is saying he should have stopped at three Transformers movies. Yeah. So, so like, I, I get ragging on stuff like that, but like um, one of the things that like stood out to me was all the interviews that's happening with nick cage right now with his upcoming movie and he you know was asked about like all those straight to video movies he did and he basically was like yeah no i i had to pay off my taxes you know i had a lot of debt so i took on a lot of roles but i never phoned it in and i respect the fuck out of that and that's the thing too especially with these um with these type of like punching down awards and lists is that you you know people genuinely believe in it and these things like you watch, you know, best worst movie ever all about the making of troll Two. everyone in that on that believed in this movie and they put their heart and soul into it. Did it create a, a well-made movie? No, we're, we're not going to argue that, but you know what? You, you see the heart, you see, you know, uh, it wear it on sleeve. And that's why that film resonates with so many people, but it's better to have the best worst movie than a movie people have forgotten about. And troll will live Troll 2. Troll 2. Yeah, well, Troll as well. But yeah, Troll 2 will live on forever because yeah, yeah. It, it because people think it's the worst movie ever made, which, you know, that's notoriety. Available. Yeah. All right. Let's get out of here. Um, so, yeah, I hope you found something in this episode, too. <laughs> We're kind of all over the place. <laughs> yeah. But hey, 
no big. Um, you still have time to vote for the Razzies or the Razzies. <laughs> the Ron. Wow. Wouldn't that have been great if we got nominated for a Razzie? Uh, you still have time to vote for the Rondos. So, uh, yeah, hit that up. Um, just, uh, you know, just so we don't get embarrassed because, you know, I have no illusion that we're going to win, but um, at least, you know, we can make up a decent showing with the big boys. Um, our uh, theme song is by Restless Spirit, who also got signed to an even bigger label. Those dudes are taken off. So, Dude, congratulations. Well yeah. earned. And I'm so excited to see where that band goes because they... That last album was fucking metal as shit. And I love coming it. to a town near you. I'm sure they 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 pretty much kind of hang out in the uh, on the 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 New England you know uh, th- that whole eastern seaboard. But if they if they get out to the west coast, we'll you'll at there. least have three people at your shows. <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Check out Wrestle Spirit. Um, our artwork is by Chris Fisher. So check him out, and uh, you can find us at any of the Ion Horror socials or at iHorror.com, which you should check out anyway, because there's all sorts of cool stuff there. And uh, we will see you next time. Actually, sooner than next time, because I think we're probably going to have a mini-sode about X coming up soon. But anyway, uh, we will see you soon. So for me, James J. Edwards. I'm Jacob Davison. And I'm Jonathan Korea. Keep your eye on horror.